You don't, you don't, you don't sound convincing. Hallelujah. Are you really, I just want one person who's just happy to be in the house, just to stand up and shout Jesus. And I want somebody who's not so happy to be in the house just to shout Jesus where they are sitting. <laughs> All right. You know, sometimes when, when things are not, are not what you want them to be, you just got to shout the name of Jesus into your situations. Amen. Anybody here for the very first time? This is your very first time to be with us. No, no new faces today. All right, okay. Welcome everyone. I just, just wanna talk to us today from John chapter four. And, and as you can imagine, John chapter four is a very long, is a very long passage, but I've got a few, a few things I wanna highlight to, to us there. We can't read everything, but I want us to go and read verse 27 to about 43, still, still quite long, but a long piece, but I want us to read there and then we're gonna highlight a few things from that, that passage. John chapter four is, is, a, is, a, is a scripture you will find Jesus is tired. Yeah, Jesus is tired and they've been, he's been working and, and moving around and speaking and he needs to go back to Galilee from Judea. He's been in Judea for some time and with his disciples, they start to make a journey back to, to Galilee. And on the away, on the away, Jesus stops at a well in Samaria and uh, he's tired. So his disciples, he's, they go into the city to buy food. Jesus decides to sit down, take a rest and he sits next to a well. And he sits next to this well waiting for his disciples to come back. And while he's waiting for his disciples to come back, a woman comes up to the well. It, the Bible says it's around noontime, so it's about lunchtime or so. He's waiting for his lunch, probably some sandwiches with ham and kas. Um, I don't know, but, but he's waiting for something, or for, for his food to come. And while he's there, he is also thirsty and so he's sitting at a well waiting for somebody to come to the well and then the wo a woman comes up to the well and he begins to he asks this woman and says please draw some water and give me some to drink the woman comes to the well and he asks her and the woman as she sees him and hears him she says you're a jew and jews and samaritans don't don't get along why should I give you some water? But, but Jesus continues in conversation with her and, and eventually says, you know what? It's not so much this water that is important, but it's the water that I can give you that is important. And so we end up with that famous scripture after this conversation of Jesus with this woman, which we all love to talk about. And I talked about it last week that God seeks those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. And, and having, having had this conversation with this woman, um, in verse 27, which I want us to read, the disciples 
Upon this came his disciples. While he's still talking to the woman. Remember his disciples were Jews. Like him. They were, they were just, you know, not Samaritans. They were like him. And so they come back from going to have bought some food. Maybe they'd come back with some McDonald's sandwiches. I don't know, but, but they come back with food. You know, or, or maybe some fritters, Belgian fritters with lots of mayonnaise. Or, you know. So they've, they've come back with the food. And the Bible says in verse 27, And upon this came his disciples. I'm reading from the King James Version. Today indulge me. And they marveled that he talked with this woman. They marveled. Catch that word. They marveled. Why would they marvel that Jesus is talking to a woman? He had talked to many other women before. But the Bible says they marveled that he talked. He talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? They marveled to the point that they were just amazed. They couldn't ask what is going on here. They marveled. Because this woman was a woman who, has, who was, had a, a reputation, and I'm sure the reputation showed off of itself. You know, yesterday my wife took me to a photo shoot. And we had this guy taking photos and then the manager of this guy who was also taking photos comes to us and he's looking at the photos that his guy has taken us and then he looks at me and says, you're a preacher. And my wife, just, just, she, she just loved that. I mean, what is it on me that says I'm a preacher? I've come dressed in jeans and t-shirts and I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking young. <laughs> and the guy just says, you're a preacher. He doesn't even go to church. But he's picked me out and says, you must be a preacher. And, and so it tells me that, you know, there is an appearance or there is something that's upon us that can help, no, not help, that make us to be identified for who we are. And so the disciples marveled that Jesus was speaking to this woman and dared not ask, what are you seeking and what are you talking with her? Jesus, we have gone to buy you food. Why are you talking to this woman? That was the question they had in their minds. If you had looked into their minds, says, let's put up your thoughts on the big screen their minds were, Jesus, what on earth are you doing talking to this woman? And look at that. He says, oh, why are you talking to her? Why are you talking to her? Why? Because there was something on this woman that says this woman could be a danger. And Jesus knew already that she had had five husbands. And the one she was with was not even her husband. And the disciples seeing her probably just put one and two together and said, this woman, why is Jesus talking to her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, notice the Bible says men, M-E-N. She's got five husbands staying with another which is not even hers. And she leaves her water pot, goes back into the city. And she went to the women, men, 
Why didn't she go to the women? She went to the men and told the men of what she did nonetheless. Come see a man. She went to the men, M-E-N, and said, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man who has told me or which has told me all things that ever I did. Is not this Christ? From the conversation she had had with Jesus, she had come to the place where she was convinced that this is Christ. In the things that they had been speaking to each other, which the disciples dared not ask, what are you talking about? She had come to a place where she was convinced that this is Christ. Is this not Christ? Then they went out of the city. The men, she was so convincing also to the men that the men left the city and went out to the well. Generally, men are not going to the well unless they, they have to feed their animals. But here, in the midst of the day, the men of the city left their work and followed this woman to Jesus who was at the well. And so they came to the well. And while, while they were coming to him, the Bible says, verse 31, in the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Now you see, the disciples have another issue because Jesus had been tired and hungry and had sat down at the well and let the disciples go in to the city to buy food. Go get us some KFC or, or, or you know, get us some good takeaways. And, and while they will come back, Jesus now has been having a conversation with this woman and doesn't want to eat anymore. So the Bible says they what? They prayed him. They had to pray, Master, please, eat something. And Jesus answered them and, and, and said to them, I have meat to eat or I have food to eat that you do not know. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him something to eat? See, Jesus says, I have food to eat that you do not know. And the disciples have been praying to him. Maybe try the preachers. Maybe try the beggar. Maybe try the, 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 the spare ribs. Jesus is not eating. Try the bread. Okay, I've put some cast, some smear cast, some wurst. And Jesus still does not eat. And then he says, I have food to eat that you do not know of. But what's wrong with this, with this man? He sent us to get food. Now he says he's got food that he eats that we do not know. Guys, did some of you guys bring him something in secret? While we were to, I thought we were together, Pastor Samson. I thought we went down together. Did you come back secretly to give him something to eat? Some jari? Some, <laughs> some, some pepper soup? Uh, did, what is it? I, what, what food does he have? That, that, that he, he says he's got food to eat which we do not know of. And so the disciples are troubled and then Jesus says to them again, my food is to do the will of him who sent me.
Somebody say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus switches them around. Remember the woman was busy trying to say to Jesus, I have a pot, you do not have a pot. I have the well, you do not have a well. And this is our well. You know, it was a special well. It was a well that Jacob had given to his children. And so this well is special. Even Jacob himself, our forefather, drank from this well. And Jesus says to the woman, if only you knew the water that comes out of this well will keep, you will want it again. You remain thirsty. But if only you knew the water that I give, if you drink it, you will never thirst again. And now the disciples come, are trying to give him food, are trying to give him all these nice things that they had bought. And Jesus says, the food that I eat is to do the will of him who sent me. The food that I have is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. I love that. And to finish his work. One day I'm going to talk about finish his work. Because many start but do not get to the point of finishing. But the food that I eat is to do the will of him that sent me. Verse 35 says, Say not ye, they are yet four months and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And look on the fields, for they are white or ready to harvest. I have a work, and the work is already here to be done. Don't look at the things around you and say, there are four months until we have to harvest. No, we need to start harvesting now. Jesus tells them that, look, there is an urgency to the work that must be done. And the food that is going to fill me, the things that are going to fill me up is not the food that you have brought, but it is the doing of the will of God. It is the accomplishment of purpose that is going to fill me up. I may be hungry, I may be tired, but when an opportunity to do the will of God comes up, I am full because the will of God becomes more important than the food that I have to eat. I have exalted thy name, O God, above my necessary food. That's how David calls it. I have exalted you, O God, above the very food that I need to eat. Because when the opportunity comes, it's not time to be eating food. It's time to be doing the work. Ah, it's time to be doing the work. And Jesus goes on and says, it's not tomorrow that the work must be done. The work must be done now. Somebody say now. Do the work. The work must be done now. Remember our theme, verse Amos 9, verse 13, says it's going to be harvesting and reaping. Harvesting and plowing, sorry. Reaping on one hand, sowing on the other. Harvesting on one hand, plowing with the other. And as you do that, things are going to be happening so fast. It's so fast because it is now that you have to do the reaping and you have to do the sowing. You have to do the planting and you have to do the plucking out. It's 
now. It's now. There is no time. Brethren, I'm here to announce to you that Jesus is saying to us, there is no time for you to sit and eat some pounded yama and chew some nice potatoes. There is no time for that nice juicy steak when souls are dying. There is no time for you to be thinking, oh, let me do this first. Do the work of the Lord first. Hallelujah. God calls us to spread the gospel, to tell people about his love, to tell people about his goodness. And, and, and he says in verse 36, and he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit into eternal life. I know you want a blessing, but the blessing comes when you reap. And you must reap the fruit that is ready, and that fruit is to do the will of the Father. You must do the will of the Father. And both he that soweth and he who reaps may rejoice together. See, there is a rejoicing together. As things happen, the sowing and the reaping, the sowing and the reaping, the sowing and the reaping, they happen together. Why? Because there is no time. There is no four months until the harvest. The harvest is now. There is no four months for you to harvest first and then we put in the plow. We have to put the plow in now. It has to happen now. Somebody say now. now. And, and, and he, and I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed. See, the women the woman went and called the men in Samaria. When the men were coming, I believe it was not only the men that came back. They also came back with other women. And so here the Bible says, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. The woman went and testified. 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 Do you hear me, church? The woman went and did what? And by the testimony she testified, many of the city of Samaria believed. I am looking forward to a day when we can write it in the books that you went out and testified. And, the, and many Vaganigans came to Jesus and believed him. I, I am looking forward that because you went out and testified, many people out of Benekom believed Jesus Christ. Because you went out and testified, many people out of Aide came and believed Jesus. Many people out of the Netherlands believed Jesus. Many people out of Tathorst. Many people out of Roghorst. Many people out of Nude. Many people out of wherever you live came and believed Jesus can we be like the woman? She went out and testified. And the Bible says many believe because of the testimony of the woman. He told me. It was not so much about what he told her about her life and all that she ever did. But the fact that Jesus showed her what she needed the most.
and she found a peace within her life. You see, if it had been some of us, we would have said, you woman, prostitute, five husbands and you are stealing the one you have right now. But Jesus says, I've got drink for you to drink. And when you drink that, you will not chase after those men. I know you're chasing men because you are thirsty. But when you drink of me, you will never thirst again. The woman's reaction was, Master, give me some of this water to drink. That was a cry. When Jesus touched the very core of the issue she had and says, I've got something for you that will satisfy you through and through. I've got something for you that will quench your thirst, that will deal with your emotional situation, that will deal with your depression, that will deal with your stress. I've got something for you that will deal with your, with your sickness. I've got something for you that will deal with your fears. I've got something for you when we can go out of this place and testify to the people that we have a Jesus that has something for them that can deal with their situations. People will stop running after the men and the husbands that this woman was running after. They will come to Jesus. We need as a church, as a people to come to the place where we will stand like this woman and go out and testify. Hallelujah. Testify and tell them about Jesus. She said, come see a man. Come see a man. And the people, when they had listened to Jesus, had believed him. Verse 40 says, so when the Samaritans were come to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Said so Jesus decided to stay with them two days. Now, and many more believed because of his own word. And Jesus and, and, and said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we have heard him ourselves. And we need to bring people to a place where they will hear Jesus by themselves. And, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, after two days, he departed this and went into Galilee. I want to give you a few lessons from Jesus. Number one is be prepared to step out of your circles. Be prepared to step out of your circles. If you are going to be people who make impact, if you're going to make an impact in the people, to the people around you, be prepared to step out of your circles. Be prepared to step out of your comfort zone. Be prepared to step out of what you're used to. Be prepared to go out beyond the barriers and the borders that people put around us. Jesus steps out of the fact that he is a Jew and is not supposed to be speaking to Samaritans. Normally when you walk, when you, when you went on a journey from, from Judea, to Galilee, you would try to avoid the city of Samaria or the territory of Samaria if, if you could. It made the journey longer, but that's exactly what they did because you were not supposed to associate with the Samaritans. But Jesus goes right through Samaria, right through Samaria. And as he goes right through Samaria, he makes a stop to give himself an opportunity to speak to someone. And so he speaks to the woman at the well. And as he speaks to the woman at the well, he 
he goes beyond even the barriers. Because remember, the disciples marveled at what business does Jesus have to do with this woman? But because Jesus has a mission, he goes beyond the circles of what he's used to. He goes beyond the things that people have put around and say, as a Christian, you only talk to these people. You know, when I came here, I was trying to understand the history of the Netherlands and, and, and I got to understand about column society. Ever heard about column society? That you belong to this column, you belong to this group and you stick within this group. So if you're within this group, if you're Catholic, you send your children to Catholic school and you send your children to Catholic shops and they buy in the Catholic supermarket. They buy shoes from the Catholic shoe shop. They buy clothes from the Catholic clothes shop. If you're Protestant, you also, so, so I went around in every city, you almost find two shops of everything. One is Catholic, one is for the rest. And when things were so strong with the column society, you walked on that side which was for you. Did you understand how it was? And, and, and looking into the history, I understood how apartheid came into being because it was just within them. This is my column. This is your column. And so if you... In this column, I was looking at my kids. You know, there is a Protestant school and a Catholic school and there is no fence between the schools but the kids don't cross. There is a line which they've been told, this is the line of the border, and they don't cross it. One day I walked across it because it's a shortcut. And my kids said, no, 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 Papa, come back. <laughs> you don't cross that line. And so, but, but, you know, we are both Christian, Catholic, and shouldn't we just mingle? <laughs> that was my thinking. And I realized, no, there's a line there. There's a column there. But we need to break out of our column. So you are African, you stay with the Africans. No. You are Dutch, you stay with the Dutch. No. You are Zimbabwean, you stay with the... No. You are Niger, stay with... No. We need to break outside of those columns. If we, if we maintain those columns, then we should not come to Wageningen University. If the university can bring all the diversity around us, what more us who are washed by the blood of Jesus, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Remember, we are washed, we are sanctified, we are separated by the blood of Jesus. If we have the blood of Jesus, what more us? We must be prepared to step out of the circles and don't only stay with the Christians because there are people out there who need to come into the house of God. Hallelujah. You see, if it, was, if it was not that a brother who was a Christian came and talked to me when I was a non-Christian, I would not be here. Do you realize it? I was not born a Christian. Not, I was raised in a Christian home. I wasn't a Christian. I did all kinds of other stuff. Church was just because dad said, everybody get in the car, we're going to church. But when there was no dad to get in the car, nobody went to church. Until a brother came spoke to me, changed and came out of his Christian circles, started walking with me, started talking with me, and one day said, you know, there is a Jesus that can deal with your situation. And here I am today. We need to be people who are ready like Jesus to go out of our circle and speak to people like he spoke with the woman of Samaria. Hallelujah. Amen. Number two. Number two thing. Is, is, is can you be as a child of God 
Can you make an, such an impact on a person that they can trust you with their water pot? This woman, after she had spoken to Jesus, she, the Bible says, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was touched by this. And say, Jesus must, must have been awesome. That a stranger, she has come with her pot all the way from the city. And she says to Jesus, I'm going to leave my pot here with you. And I'm going to tell the people of the city and I'll come back from my pot. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the level of trust she now has in Jesus? Can you be trusted with somebody's water pot? I don't know. Would you take that water pot, take some water, drink and run away with the water pot? Say, now I have a chance. Can we trust you? You know, beyond the water pot, you know what touches my heart the most? This woman was saying, I'm trusting my life to Jesus. Beyond the water pot. It's not so much the water pot that touches my heart. It's the fact that she is willing to trust Jesus. You know, I, I was just thinking when she went away, what, what had Jesus had not said, go and call the people in the city. She said, go call your husband, remember. Not the, all the other people. And, and, and. But, but she says, I'm going to call them. She had so much confidence that she would go and call a whole city and still come and find Jesus there. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews did not speak. It could have easily become a war. In normal circumstances, you know, you, you know what used to happen? When a Jew came into Samaria, the, Jews, the Samaritans would raid that person. Remember, there's that story which preachers have used and sometimes abused. That, that there was a man who was riding from, from, from Judea to Jericho. Huh? Remember that story? And, and, and he was going from Jerusalem, from Judea to Samaria. That's part of his problem. And it makes a very good sermon. The fact that he was going in that direction. Well, Jesus went that direction too. And normally robbers should have attacked them. Maybe because they were 12 or 13. Probably with a few more. They couldn't. But that one man who went by himself, he was attacked. It was that same road. And then we have said, why was he going to Samaria anyway? Because Samaria was a harsh city. Those people could be ruthless. So what was it about this woman that she trusted that Jesus, I will find him still sitting at the well. But Jesus is so trustworthy. You can give him your life and he will take good care of your life. Jesus is so loving. He will love you to bits. He will love you across the whole universe, not just the moon and back. <laughs> he will love you for who you are. And he is faithful. He says, I will give you drink and you will never be thirsty. And the woman had felt something in her life that I have an opening. I have a chance to become something because of this man. And she trusted him. Can we trust you? Can we trust your word? If we are going to make impact, we have to step out of our circles, but we also need to be people who are trustworthy. 
We need to be people who can be trusted. You can't give your things to somebody who's not trustworthy. We need to be people who are dependable. We need to be people who can be held accountable and responsible at the same time. Hallelujah. Are you somebody that people out there can identify? You see, yesterday, yesterday when, the guy, when this guy said to me, you must be a preacher, it, it said something to my heart that now I've got responsibility. Because I said, yes, I am a preacher. How did you know? And it says, you just look a preacher. And, and, but the rest of the time we were there, I needed to make sure that I was responsible. While we were about to walk out, the guy says to me, can I have your card? I would like to visit your church and hear you speak. And, and I was sitting there in the car going away thinking, wow. If I had not lived who I am, this guy would have just taken me pictures, made money out of me, and just said goodbye. I never preached to him then. But all the conversations we had, at the end he says, I want your card. I want your number. I want to visit you. I've said, you're welcome. Visit us. And, but, but, but it strikes me that this woman, stranger that Jesus is, she's trusted her water pot, or more importantly, trusted her life to him. Can people depend on you? That is, you say, I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I go to church. Can we depend that you're going to church is what you do outside? That's the question. Can, can, we, can we be behind the wall and hear you speaking on this side and say, ah, that's my Christian brother speaking? <laughs> Do, 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 can I tell you a story? One time, one time I heard a sister speaking with a brother. And while they were speaking, I was thinking, should I make my appearance to them, yes or no? B because you, you start to wonder, are these the people that I was worshiping with in church? And so, and so by the time they are going to step out with me, in the street to start giving out flyer. Ah, even the people that were with me hearing them will say, I'll keep your flyer, please. <laughs> if, if that's the kind of conversation you have at church. Number three. <laughs> Prioritize the mission more than the meal. Jesus says, the, 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 the food that I eat is to do the will of the Lord. The disciples were busy trying to get him to eat. They were busy trying to satisfy the flesh. But Jesus was saying, the spirit comes first. Spiritual things first. Look, lift up your eyes. See the harvest is coming. All they saw was men of Samaria, women of Samaria coming back. And Jesus was saying, that is the harvest. That is the harvest. That is my mission. It's more important than the meal. Hallelujah. 
The mission is more important than the meal. See, sometimes I'm sitting in my office and people are saying, it's 12 o'clock, let's go for lunch. And I look up and I say, lunch is overrated. I have more important things to do than eat. And, and people laugh at me now and say, that's why you're so thin. But you know what? Lunch is overrated because it distracts us from the mission. It distracts us from the core thing we should be chasing after. It takes our attention away. You see, when I'm not fasting, I realize I fast over so many things. When I'm fasting, I'm so focused. And, and when I tell people I can't join you for lunch because I have to finish an assignment, I realize I do it with, with, with a certain zest and passion. Why? Because I have prioritized the mission over the meal. But when I go out for the meal, it takes me more time to finish the mission. I'm not saying don't eat. You also need to eat, but men shall not live by bread alone. We must prioritize the mission. Jesus says, this is the will of the Lord. My food is to do his, his will and to finish it. The will of the Lord is for the salvation of these people. The will of the Lord is for the salvation. I choose the salvation of these people over my own comfort. Oh. I choose that my brother may come to the Lord over my own comfort. I choose him, his salvation, more than my own desire. I want to see these people saved. The harvest is here. The harvest is ready. The harvest is white. Choose the harvest. Hallelujah. Choose the harvest. Choose the mission over the meal. Choose the mission over the meal. Tell your neighbor, choose the mission over the meal. Choose purpose over comfort. It's a principle that you can apply in anything in life. Not only spreading the gospel, but in anything you do, choose the mission. Choose purpose. Choose to accomplish the goal over food, over comfort. You see, everything is going to be happening so fast. It means you've got to work. It means you've got to work. I, I was telling you the other day that while, while I have been trying to work on some opportunities, things were not coming, and then suddenly several of them are coming towards me. It means I've got to work. I've got to work to read and understand what this one is about. I've got to read and understand what this other one here is about. And then somebody is calling me and saying, I have this question. Find out what can we do with this. And, and, and I've, I, I suddenly thought, my God, if I take this up on board, I will have no time for myself. But you know what? I decided. So the other day, I was saying to my wife, you know, I didn't have the money for something I needed to do. And I said, for this month, I skip all the lunch money because I need to put the money I would have spent on lunch into this small project. And that was enough to get me started. Why? Because I'm choosing the mission over the meal. Ah, you, you hear what I'm saying? So I would rather carry my sandwiches with pindakas to work. I would rather take the banana 
to work and just eat the banana and save all the other meals. Even when my colleagues are saying, what is happening to you? You don't like to buy food with us today. It's okay. Why? Because I have a mission. Tell your neighbor, I have a mission. I have a mission. I have a mission. I have a mission. It works everywhere. And there is a mission we must accomplish as children of God. And that is to go out and testify. The woman went and testified. I'm going to stop here. I will tell you number three and number four and five next week. I've got a mission. I've got a mission. Rise up to your feet and pray with me. Ah, Mando Rebo Shaka. I want you to pray with, to pray and, 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 and call upon the Lord. And, 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 you know, sometimes we're not going out because the burden of the mission is not yet upon our lives. But I want you to pray and say, Jesus, give me the burden of the mission. You see, when you talk about the burden of the mission, it is just saying, give me the urgency. Give me the, 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 the weight, the importance of this mission. You see, when a woman is about to give birth, everything else around it doesn't matter. What matters is I must give forth this life. I must bring forth this child. The cooking can wait. The cleaning can wait. I need to get into a place where I can give this child. And part of the reason is the burden they get during those pains. When the pains of delivery come, you see, it's not, they're not going to be looking for some nice clothes. Oh, honey, give me some nice clothes and get me some nice stilettos. Polish my shoes. No, that is not on their heart. What's on their heart is I must deliver this baby. This baby must come out alive and well. It is time for me to produce. And I want you to pray and say, Jesus, give me the burden for the mission. Pray and say, Father... No, I want you to pray that loud and clear. Father, in the name of Jesus, give me the burden for the mission. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and make that your prayer. Make that your prayer. I want to hear you pray and say, Lord my God, let me have the burden for the mission. Let me have, oh God, the hunger, the desire, the thirst for the mission. My God, let the purpose be greater than the comfort. Let the purpose be greater, my God, than the, than the comfort around me. In the name of Jesus, Lord Rabakataya, Makanderebo Shataya Vasaya, Ahan. For somebody, it's as if you've got birth pains coming over you. It is the burden of the Lord, the burden to pray, the burden to pray, the burden to go after people, the burden to see people turning to the Lord in the name of Jesus. Oh, I need to hear you pray. I need to hear you pray, church. I need, I don't want a gentleman's prayer. I don't want a lady's prayer. I want a militant prayer. I need people to rise out of this place uh, with a hunger and a passion for Jesus Christ uh, with a hunger and a passion for the mission you have a mission you have an assignment uh, to win souls Jesus says go out and win souls go out and testify father give us a burden to testify in the name of Jesus Lord in the name of Jesus I want you to pray and say father Come on, I want to hear you say, Father, take away the fear. Take away the fear that stops me from testifying. That stops me from testifying. Lord, help me to be a witness. 
to be a testifier in the name of Jesus come on make that your prayer let fear go many times we are afraid and so we don't testify we are afraid and so we don't declare we are afraid and so we don't make the name of the Lord known but today 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 oh I break fear from your life this woman was not afraid to go back and tell the men of the city and tell the people of Samaria oh Rabba Jesus was not afraid to speak to the woman of Samaria. He was not afraid to speak to her, irregardless of her background, irregardless of her outlook, irregardless of whatever it is that was about her, that the disciples marveled at. He was not afraid. He was not afraid. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. I want you to pray and say, Father, break down every barrier. Break down every hindrance that prevents me from going out. Go and make that your own prayer. Every barrier, whatever barrier it is, if you know it by name, that this is the thing that holds me back, I want you to pray and say, Father, break it down. Father, break it down. Father, break it down. If it is people's faces, if it is the way people, what you, what, what you think people will say about you, my God, today, I break down the barriers that hold us back in the name of Jesus. Oh, language barriers. Makanderebo shakatahaya language barriers that prevent us from starting the conversation. I break them today in the name of Jesus. Go speak in your own language. Speak in that broken Dutch and just declare the name of Jesus. Just declare the Lord God Almighty. This is what the Lord has done for me. This is what the Lord has done for me. In the name of Jesus. Father Lord I thank you. I praise your name O God. Pull down every plan of the devil to intimidate you. Say, I shall not be intimidated. I shall not be afraid. I shall not be intimidated. In and out of season. In and out of season. Jesus preached when he was hungry. Jesus preached when he was tired. He was at the well hungry and tired and thirsty. But he still preached to the woman. And he waited until the men had come and preach to them also in the name of Jesus. Lord, I will not be intimidated. I will not be intimidated. Lord, my Father, every challenge over your life, I pull it down in the name of Jesus. And I pray over you that from today you will make impact. From today you will make impact. From today you will make impact. You will impact your neighborhood. You will impact your, the people around you. You will impact your workplace. You will impact your neighbors. You will impact your friends. You will impact your colleagues. In the name of Jesus, Jehovah my God, I pray and I call upon your name, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship and honor your name. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody shout, Amen.
If you believe you are called for impact, shout hallelujah. hallelujah.